For 50 years, Weight Watchers had been a storied name. Millions of people relied on the company to lead healthier lives. And yet in 2015, it was all on the cusp of coming undone. The company needed a big save, fast. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback from Barron's. This season, we're doubling down on the past, exploring why companies, ideas, and industries thrived, even as others failed to meet their promise. In our frenetic news cycle, those stories are quickly forgotten, even though they hold valuable lessons for the future. Today on the show, Weight Watchers and its never-ending quest to stay in shape. Weight Watchers was an unlikely casualty of the smartphone. For years, customers attended support meetings, and that in-person business worked for lots of people. But now there was another way to lose weight, mobile phone apps that offered free and quick calorie counts, and Weight Watchers was struggling to respond. It needed more than just old slogans and decades of success. It was pretty much a done deal that 2015 was going to be a really challenging year. Sales for the full year ended up being down more than 20% on top of a double-digit decline in 2014. That's Alex Furman. He's a senior research analyst with Craig Hallam Capital. They were losing quite a bit of membership. They had some marketing campaigns for the big January diet season that had fallen flat. And the membership woes were the least of Weight Watchers' problems. The company also had a lot of debt, and I think there were some concerns from investors that the company was going to have a hard time meeting its obligations. They had a debt payment that was due in April 2016, and then a much larger one that was due in April 2020, and you know there was certainly concern about the company's finances. By the summer of 2015, the stock was hovering around $4 a share and down 95% from five years earlier. Weight Watcher stock had always been volatile, but this was a new low point for the company and the stock. The company seemed trapped. It needed to conserve cash to pay down its debt, but it needed that same cash to market to new users and keep the business going. Various celebrities had endorsed Weight Watchers over the years, but none of them could pull the company out of this abyss. There was maybe one person who could, and she said yes. Inside every overweight woman is a woman she knows she can be. Shares of Weight Watchers surging after Oprah, don't even need to mention her last name anymore, announced that she is becoming a member of the company's board, also becoming a Weight Watchers member. She's going to use the service and buying 10% of the company's stock with an option. Oprah Winfrey has seemingly conquered every challenge she has ever faced, except maybe one. For years, the TV titan had publicly struggled with her weight, In 1988, she rolled a wagon filled with 67 pounds of animal fat onto the stage of her hit TV show. It was meant to represent the weight she had recently lost. If you can believe in yourself and believe that this is the most important thing in your life, you can conquer it. Because if I did it, if Scott did it, if Billy did it, you can do it. But years later, Oprah said she regretted that moment and how she had gone about losing the weight. Enter Weight Watchers. The company had long espoused a theory of changing habits over crash or fad diets. And Oprah was willing to give it a shot. She also saw a real business opportunity. Oprah wasn't just becoming a brand ambassador, she was becoming the company's most important investor. Weight Watchers announced she was buying at least 10% of the company. She did pay market rate for the stock immediately upon her investment and, and partnership being announced. The stock was up more than double, so you know she did very well in her investment but she certainly did put her money where her mouth was. 
In the two days following the announcement, Weight Watchers stock was up a whopping 169%. Oprah isn't your typical pitch person. You probably know Oprah's book club or her annual list of favorite things. An Oprah endorsement can single-handedly make a product. Weight Watchers was hoping to be the next beneficiary. You told me at the time that Weight Watchers has the best outlet for their message they've ever had. And that was about Oprah, right? It was, and, and I think in many ways that did prove to be true. After three years of declining sales, Weight Watchers business finally stabilized in 2016. By 2017, sales were up 12% and the stock continued to rise. Oprah wasn't going to immediately erase all the debt on Weight Watchers books, but she was certainly going to help the company pay it off while making the whole business a lot more efficient. The company was a little bit less dependent on cash marketing expenses and advertising and, and was really able to lean on its network of influencers a little bit more with Oprah, you know, really being the centerpiece of that. When you talk about influencers, I mean, I guess we have a whole new world of influencers these days, right? Like the Kardashians, but really there, there's nobody like Oprah. There's only one Oprah, sure. Oprah knew how to spot a powerful brand and she was ready to help Weight Watchers build on its half-century of history. For more than a generation, Weight Watchers defined dieting. For the uninitiated, the company was founded in 1963 by Jean Neidich, a Queens, New York woman who had struggled with her weight her entire life. In the early 60s, she discovered a 10-week weight loss program called the Prudent Diet. The main idea was learning to limit portion size. Neidich lost weight, but thought it would be easier to stick with the program if she had the support of like-minded people. Thus, the Weight Watcher meeting was born. So I got through the party without eating one bite of cake. At a Weight Watchers meeting, you'll hear cheers. So he says, they helped you lose the weight, they gotta buy you new clothes. <laughs> you'll hear laughter. Instead of trays in front of the TV, dinner could be a... You'll change your attitude about food. Within five years, Nidich had taken her company public on the New York Stock Exchange. You know, I remember when my mother was doing Weight Watchers when I was growing up, had the little slide rule that you could calculate points, that very old school cardboard cutout device. And it was really based on the community and the weekly meetings. The meetings provided much of the value for members and the company itself. The revenue was all around people coming to meetings and talking around weight loss. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, the business was mostly a weekly meeting that members would pay for. Over the years, meetings have remained a key part of the business model for Weight Watchers, even though they came with a higher price tag than just using your phone. Some 30% of Weight Watchers members still attend meetings today. But in an age where smartphone apps can track every part of our existence, the idea of needing an in-person meeting to lose weight feels awfully quaint. That became Weight Watchers' first identity crisis, especially as apps like MyFitnessPal offered a free, and arguably more user-friendly, smartphone app that could track everything you ate. The app even integrated your daily activity into the calorie count. For some folks, it was the perfect mashup of technology and health. The phone became your support system, and Weight Watchers, built on an in-person model, had a hard time keeping up. Weight Watchers was late to the game, having a top-tier mobile experience. At one point, they had a one-star rating in the Apple App Store for their app. Even as the company made improvements to its own app, signups were declining. The popularity of activity monitors and free apps resulted in increased competition, which exacerbated the negative trend, the company said in 2014. The increasing focus of consumers on more integrated lifestyle and fitness approaches rather than just food, nutrition, and diet also negatively impacted our recruitments. 
Though the company made improvements to its app and continued to offer cheaper online versions of its membership, it wasn't resonating. In 2015, the company's subscriber signups were down more than 20%. But then, Oprah. Beyond that huge stock jump I mentioned earlier, the impact on the business was immediate. With Oprah on board, Weight Watchers' membership surged. From the moment that the partnership with Oprah was announced, immediately new membership recruitment trends began to get better. I think that trend really accelerated throughout the upcoming post-New Year's diet season. Having Oprah as your recruiter pays off. They did some commercials with Oprah. They basically sent a camera crew to Oprah's home and shot some content in her backyard. It was not something that was, you know, really formally baked into the campaign that they spent a year working on. But just that small little bit of content that they put together, you know, those ended up being their most successful advertisements. I love bread. I love bread. I now just manage it. So I don't deny myself bread. I have bread every day. I have bread every day. That's the genius of this program. I lost 26 pounds and I have eaten bread every single day. By the middle of 2018, Weight Watcher stock had crossed $100 a share, a staggering 13 times higher than Oprah's buy-in price. Oprah, the queen of daytime, had made one of the greatest investments of all time. With its finances seemingly secured, Weight Watchers was poised for its next long run of success. Bringing Oprah in really helped to put a shot of light into the meetings business. Oprah, you know, really resonated with a wide range of audience members, but certainly has fans who are older, who are more likely to be going to the meetings. And, you know, you saw a couple of years there following Oprah's partnership with Weight Watchers, where there was a really nice turnaround in the meeting side of the business as well. But as Oprah was fixing one problem, Weight Watchers was struggling to adapt to an important cultural shift. People had begun to focus less on changing their bodies and more on accepting the bodies they had. And suddenly, it was tricky to be a company whose message was centered around the goal of losing weight. You want to promote your product, and your product is weight loss. That's Teresa Rivas. Teresa is a longtime Barron's reporter who covers retail and has watched Weight Watchers for many years. You can do that in one of two ways. You can either (laughs) try to prey on people's shame about their bodies and how they want to look versus how they look now, or you can frame it in a different way where it's part of a healthy lifestyle. Everybody's talking about being healthy, the wellness economy being 3.7 trillion, nobody wanting to use the word diet, but the problem is nobody is getting healthier, we're getting unhealthier. And the numbers are staggering and we really want to help solve that paradox. That was Mindy Grossman, the CEO of Weight Watchers. She took over in 2017 as the company began to shift its messaging. She's been leading Weight Watchers through perhaps its most dramatic shift since Gene Neidich founded the company nearly 60 years ago. In 2018, the company decided to change its name, dropping Weight and Watchers. Weight Watchers says it wants to reform its image as just a diet company, so it's changing its name to WW. The company says the new name focuses on overall health and wellness. They wanted to get rid of the weight aspect of it. Weight is still part of it, but now they want to have more of a holistic approach where you include WW as part of a healthier lifestyle. And yes, you may lose weight, 
but that's sort of a secondary goal aside from the fact that they're helping you reach your your best self and your healthiest self and your best potential. The change wasn't without complications, though. After all, the company had spent decades building a name for itself. Here's Alex Furman again. I think in the first year, recruitment took a little bit of a hit. The company may have underestimated how much brand equity there was in the Weight Watchers name. And when they came out for that first post-New Year's diet season, there was hardly any mention of Weight Watchers or weight loss. And it was you know, a little bit more of a vague advertising campaign centered around WW. In the short term, I think walking away from and de-emphasizing the brand name Weight Watchers had a negative impact. Over the last year, WW stock is down 27%. Shedding an identity is a big deal. The dilemma for the company reminds me of other corporate transitions, most notably the one Netflix went through in 2011. The company's DVD business was still going gangbusters, but founder Reed Hastings understood it wouldn't always be that way. So he made the difficult decision to emphasize streaming over DVDs. Investors balked at first. In the end, it was a home run. Netflix knew streaming was the future, even if it meant sacrificing the present. The company formerly known as Weight Watchers is making a similar bet on the long term. For now, it's still not clear if it will pay off. It was a decision that needed to be made at some point. I think every year that went on, the brand name was just becoming a little bit more and more out of touch with what the company was trying to accomplish. I think a lot of people today think of Weight Watchers as having been the brand that their mother did. And I think transitioning to WW really did set the stage for the company to go after a younger, more diverse audience. If you listen to WW talk about it, this is more than just a rebranding. It's more of a rethink about how people approach weight, health, and technology. The good news is all of those themes have become closely connected. Here's Teresa again. Anyone who has a smartphone and, of course, a wearable can take control of their health in a way that wasn't really possible 10 or 20 years ago. At the same time, an app alone is not enough to help you lose weight. For years, WW struggled with the best way to maintain its core meetings, even as technology threatened to antiquate them. A calorie counting app was great to have, but it couldn't replace in-person support. The company hopes it's finally found a way to bridge old and new. It's called Connect, and it looks like other social media networks, minus the toxicity and shame. The network is exclusive to WW members. It's basically a Twitter or Instagram-style news feed where you can post content about anything and everything, and you can follow other users. Connect takes the value add of the traditional meetings and puts it on a platform that appeals to younger, more tech-savvy users. I think what Weight Watchers wants to offer is the technology combined with a system that will give you the emotional support and just the mental support. We've all been able to track our steps and do other things with health apps. But if you don't have that accountability, I think it's much easier to backslide and not stay on top of your goals the way you might want to. So in that sense, Weight Watchers has an edge in that it can provide a sort of infrastructure that has historically shown more success. And it's not just Weight Watchers saying that, of course. All the research shows that if you have accountability, if you have a workout buddy, if you have a specific goal, it'll help you lose weight more. So if it can harness the technology aspect, it does have an advantage over the free apps. 
and Connect is providing a similar boost that the more expensive in-person meetings once did. Users who are most engaged on Connect have really been driving an increase in paid length of stay. Historically, the company had seen paid length of stay around eight or nine months. That, you know, over the last couple of years has increased to about 10 months. And probably the biggest single driver of that has been this digital social media network on Connect. The success of Connect may also cause WW to pivot into more digital experiences. I think that will continue to grow in importance to the company, but people still crave that amount of community. I think virtual group coaching is a big opportunity for WW, and I think you're going to see virtual group coaching really become a pillar for WW that they're going to lean on over the next couple of years. WW's big hope is that it can catch some of the excitement that's gone to a company like Peloton. More on them in a few weeks. The pandemic has taught us to think about health and wellness more than ever before. That mindset could be just what WW needs. Anyone who thought that the company was going to be completely crushed by all these online disruptors, these digitally native startups that were cheaper or free, they might be rethinking that now just because, I mean, one, there's such a huge number of them. People might be overwhelmed and just go to a name that they trust. But two, that sort of brand heritage can help them distinguish themselves and maybe build greater customer loyalty. Just as long as those customers can remember the new name. Thanks for listening to the new season of The Readback. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also email us at thereadbackatbarons.com. Thanks to Alex Furman and Teresa Rivas. For more coverage on Weight Watchers and other legacy companies trying something new, you can check out barons.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzhoft and Katie Ferguson. Melissa Haggerty is our executive producer. Next week on the show, how Nordstrom made all the right moves and still struggled. As coronavirus has unfolded over the past months, you've seen bankruptcies, and those were companies that you ask a lot of experts and analysts, they'll say that those companies were struggling before coronavirus, they didn't take the steps that were necessary to keep up, and, you know, coronavirus kind of accelerated the decline, whereas with others, it accelerated the progress. We'll be back next week.